0: They also have staff that speak Spanish. If you are looking for a new dentist, find them at WeissmanFamilyDental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them Audio Information Network of Colorado sent you. Your regularly scheduled program is not available at this time. Please enjoy this special broadcast on AINC. Hello, you are listening to the Boulder County News. My name is Leslie Madson. And we'll start off today with news from Lafayette. Lafayette renews contract to provide support and services to small businesses. Lafayette small and local businesses may receive free consultation and advice about how to improve their business. The Director of Economic Development, Bridget Keating, provided City Council with an update on Tuesday night. On the Boulder Small Business Development Center programs, Keating said that the SBDC program has dedicated programs and support for small businesses through technical consulting, outreach, marketing, and resilience. Keating said that the main components for 2023 services will be a minimum of 300 consulting hours per year, with an emphasis on small business and entrepreneurs. There will also be specialized workshops and training programs. The program is free for businesses, and Lafayette will pay over $70,000 to the SBDC in order to perform these services. The funds will come out of Lafayette's economic development account for 2023. Heating said that Lafayette and Louisville in 2022 partnered with the Development Center to create satellite support services to local businesses. She said that after a successful year, both cities will renew contracts with the SBDC. Dan King, King, he is the main consultant for the Lafayette and Louisville SBDC program. And Dan King said that the program is a nonprofit based in Boulder. Our mission is to help small businesses. We help them start, grow, thrive, and survive, he said. King said that the SBDC has specialists in almost every business area, such as human resources, accounting, sales and marketing and finance. King said that the business the program works with must submit a form that details how help from the SBDC impacted the business. He said the SBDC does not extrapolate any data that details how the programs may have helped businesses. Here had Kozik, who is marketing and events manager for the SBDC, said that in 2022, there were four events to help businesses. Three were marketing seminars, and a fourth was a business basic seminar. Kozik said that there were more than 90 attendees for the events in 2022. He said that SBDC plans to have six programs this year with marketing and business basic sessions. There will also be a sales essentials workshop and a financial know-how workshop that will help businesses understand their customers and cash flow. And in more Lafayette news, as of Wednesday night, Lafayette police were still searching for the suspect in a shooting at a mobile home park on Tuesday afternoon. According to police radio traffic dispatchers, around 1.50 p.m. on Tuesday received a report of a shooting at Lafayette Gardens, 11700 East South Boulder Road. When officers arrived at the scene, they found a man with a single gunshot wound outside a mobile home. A Wednesday news release stated police provided aid to the man and he was taken to a nearby hospital. Meanwhile, the shooter had fled the scene on foot. Lafayette police Deputy Chief Brian Rosipahia said the victim is recovering at the hospital. The news release stated the incident appeared to be a targeted shooting and police do not believe that there is a danger to the general public. Police searched the area around the shooting but still had not located the subject as of Wednesday night. The search prompted a shelter-in-place warning for nearby residents on Tuesday and Wednesday and also caused several nearby schools to move to secure status. Rosa Pajala said that the police were continuing to search for the suspect and following up on leads. Boulder Valley School District spokesman Randy Barber said that there will be extra patrols and security at nearby schools, but no campuses will officially be placed on any secure status. Lafayette police tweeted that the suspect is believed to be armed He was described as a bald, light-skinned Hispanic man wearing either a white or gray sweatshirt. According to the news release, he was also wearing a black sweatshirt and tan pants. Anyone who has seen the suspect is asked to call 303-441-4444 or 911 or contact the Lafayette Police Department at 303-665-5571. And in more police news from Lafayette on Tuesday, a Lafayette man was arrested and accused of possessing and distributing child sexual abuse material. Cameron Joseph Lostuyn, age 32, was arrested on Tuesday on suspicion of sexual exploitation of a child, which is distribution and sexual exploitation of a child possession. According to a news release from the Boulder County Sheriff's Office, The Colorado Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force received information about the distribution or possession of child sex abuse material from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. A search warrant for Lou Steunen's home in the 800 block of Excalibur Street was served on January 10th, and then police said they've recovered additional evidence. The Boulder County Sheriff's Office the Boulder County District Attorney's Office, the Boulder Police Department, the Longmont Police Department, and Lafayette Police Department all participated in this investigation. And in Lafayette, Lafayette is seeking a new slogan to better reflect the city's character. In slogans, they tell us a lot. In just a few words, a slogan seeks to encapsulate visions and values, goals, and sentiment of what it seeks to represent. The few words have a heavy weight to bear. And Lafayette is looking for input on its new slogan so that it better reflects the community's priorities. This survey is open until February 12th and is available on the Lafayette website. It asks residents, business owners, and those just passing through what they think the new city slogan should be. Debbie Wilmot, who is Lafayette's communications director, said in an email that the slogan survey is just part of Lafayette's brand assessment project meant to better shape and communicate the city's identity. She said that the current survey is the second round of community input for the city's branding. The first outreach showed what residents care about. Input from the first outreach revealed that residents love Lafayette's small-town diverse and friendly character, Wilmot said. She said the city values the community input and the slogan, which should be a reflection of the community. The four slogans in the survey are a place to belong, it's where we belong, it's where you belong, and a place we belong Wilmot said that previous community input revealed that residents find that Lafayette provides a sense of belonging, neighborliness, neighborliness, and connection. After community input on the slogans is completed, Lafayette will review comments on the slogans and see if the slogan options are heading in the right direction. Recent growth and development in Erie and Superior have caused those towns to outgrow their slogans as well. Superior's slogan is the gateway to Boulder Valley, which is a reflection of when the town was simply a commuter town. Kevin Cullen, who is Communications and Community Engagement Engagement Manager for Superior, said that Superior is so much more than just the last exit before arriving to Boulder. Colin said that as downtown Superior grows, the gateway moniker, moniker is no longer a reflection of the town. It's not a pass-through anymore. Superior is a destination. Although it's still the official slogan for Superior and there are no plans to replace it, Colin said that the slogan will be used less in town communications. He said that the slogan was created approximately within the last 10 years, that was once a reflection of the town's identity. However, the town has outgrown the slogan and suggests that it's merely a bedroom community. Gabby Ray, who is Communications and Community Engagement Director for Erie, said that Erie is looking to step away from the slogan and develop a new one this spring. She said the old slogan was Erie, the best place to raise a family. We don't want to just be a place to raise a family. We would like to be a lot more than that," she said. Ray said the slogan "It was not the right branding for the city and did not accurately represent exactly what Erie is. She said Erie will have a survey in a few months which will ask the community about their values and will use resident input to design a new slogan. Louisville does not have a slogan and is not planned to develop one, according to Emily Hogan, who is Louisville's assistant city manager. The survey for the new slogan for Lafayette is at www.lafayetteco.gov/two 2791slash Love Lafayette. It's pretty easy to find, and it's under Love Lafayette City Brand Assessment. It's in both English and Spanish. And it talks about additional input, finalizing a new city slogan with some uh, easily pressed links saying, let us know what you think. And when it comes to names and news from Longmont, the Longmont City Council pumps the brakes on possible renaming of offensive streets. Mount Evans Drive in Longmont won't be renamed anytime soon. If at all, during Tuesday's City Council study session, Councilman Tim Waters asked the council to reconsider its previous decision to discuss forming a community name change committee, arguing that city staff already had enough on its plate. Waters wasn't necessarily opposed to the idea of such a committee, but clearly thought the city had more urgent matters. I've never had a constituent in Ward 1 express a concern about the name of their street," said Waters, who has served on the council for five years. Ward 1 includes Mount Evans Drive. Mount Evans is named after John Evans. John Evans served as governor of the Colorado Territory from 1862 until his resignation in 1865 following the Sand Creek Massacre. More than 200 Cheyenne and Arapaho people, many of whom were women, children, and elders, were killed in a brutal attack that occurred on November 29, 1864. Evans, who was widely condemned, received the blame for the massacre, which is the deadliest day in Colorado history, according to HistoryColorado.org. On January 24, the Longmont City Council voted unanimously to discuss possibly forming a community name change committee to review troublesome street names. Councilman Sean McCoy, who made the original motion to discuss a, a naming committee, said that community leaders should not wait until their constituents are, quote, outraged to react to cultural insensitivity. It shows a sense of tone deafness if we don't consider that, McCoy said during Tuesday's study session. I know it's easy for folks to give flippant answers that we should be doing this and that and the other some other thing instead of name changing. Councilwoman Marsha Martin said that the possibility of creating a name change committee had not been well received, particularly on social media. It gets mentioned every time someone complains about running about red light runners or parking violations or almost anything, Martin said. It's like the city council has time to change the names of streets, but it doesn't have time to fix whatever they're complaining about. Ultimately, the council voted unanimously to table the discussion concerning a community name-changing committee until it identifies its priorities at an upcoming retreat. During its meeting on November 17th, the Colorado Geographic Naming Advisory Board unanimously recommended changing the name of Mount Evans, that's the more than 14,000-foot peak in Clear Creek County, to Mount Blue Sky. And over in Erie, the Erie High School team won State Engineering Design Challenge. Erie High School senior Mackenzie Campbell said that her jaw dropped when she learned that her team won an engineering challenge to design an unmanned aircraft as a solution to the need for more efficient rural package deliveries. Well, there was a lot of trial and error, she said, And I felt like we were hitting a lot of dead ends, but I am very proud of the project that we put together. It was a good experience to get an idea of where the industry is at with unmanned aircraft. Campbell and five other seniors in Erie High School's engineering design class recently won at the state level in the annual Real World Design Challenge, qualifying the team to compete at the nationals this April. The students were the only engineering design class team to choose the real-world competition instead of a rocket-building competition as this year's big project. While their competition was tricky because it was theoretical, the students said they also found it more interesting than designing rockets. Four of the seniors are in the engineering program's computer science track while the other two students are in the aerospace track. And along with Campbell, the seniors on the team are Bailey Anderson, Abram fluck and Justin Eli, Emily Frisch, and Fisher Straub. This year's design challenge was to, quote, investigate the practicality of using unmanned aircraft to transport cargo to reduce time and environmental impact, unquote. The idea here was based on parcel companies working with the federal government on more efficient delivery methods reducing truck traffic in rural areas. Parameters included using a cargo weight of 4,000 pounds with the cargo required to be stored in two different specific containers. The unmanned aircraft was also needed to travel 300 miles with 45 minutes of fuel reserve and crews at an altitude of 20,000 feet. To prove that their idea would work, the teams needed to calculate the operating cost of flying and analyzing how the aircraft performed when compared with a standard cargo flight and a truck. Lastly, they had to use a cost-to-benefit analysis to justify choices made in the design of their aircraft. At first, it was just an overwhelming process, Campbell said. Anderson researched and found an older model Ukrainian plane that fit the needed parameters for the body of the aircraft, and then the team redesigned the interior with sensors and autonomous equipment, including using machine learning in their navigation system. I've never seen one of those planes in person, she said. I didn't know how it would all fit together. They also made modifications so the aircraft could use regular jet fuel instead of the highly explosive and discontinued original fuel type. Their project included a 42-page engineering notebook detailing everything from their budget and the specs for the unmanned plane to flight plans and 3D designs. Flugger said that their calculations showed that their design was successful. And it ended up both faster and more efficient than traditional cargo planes. It was also faster because rather than using cargo trucks, uh, the unmanned aircraft did use more fuel. It was faster but used more fuel than the trucks. And while they had just three months to complete this huge project for the state competition, they did have another two months to make additions and changes to their original project, and to develop a 15-minute virtual presentation for the national competition. I think our chances are good, Campbell said. Flukiger, who plans to attend the University of Colorado at Boulder, is majoring in physics. Though he's not continuing with engineering, he said the engineering classes were really fun and useful, and they taught him programming skills. Campbell, who plans on attending the Colorado School of Mines and majoring in electrical engineering, said that she signed up for Erie's Intro to Engineering class on a whim. If The first year went really well, she said. It just started to click that I'm good at science and math and that I should continue on that path. And more Erie news on the Erie Town's website, the Erie Home Rule Charter Commission is seeking community feedback through polls. The Commission's polls for the week of January 30th included if councillors should be elected at large or through districts, should elections be held in November on odd or even years, and should Erie call itself a town or city. According to the Charter Commissioner's website, holding elections in November would help to save costs compared to holding elections in April. The poll also explains that the town could either have all residents vote for all counselors at large or have the town divided into three districts with each district voting on two counselors and a separately elected mayor. As of Wednesday afternoon, both of these poll results are close, with even year elections holding a fifty seven to forty three percent edge while all large at large council. Voting sat at 53% compared to 47% for district voting. And meanwhile, with an overwhelming majority of 90% in favor, residents prefer Erie referred to itself as a town opposed to a city. Commissioner Member Sarah Cornley said at the January 19th meeting that the commission appreciates all the community input. It really helps to hear from members of our community because we do want to make this for the town, or City of Erie, Kornley said. We're not trying to decide everything for everyone. We want input, Home Rule Charter Commission member Ashraf Sheikh said. The Commission members state on the website that decisions in the Home Rule Draft are not final. It's obviously open for discussion until the Charter Draft is due this May. There will also be more in-person engagement meetings for the Charter, the third Thursday of every month. The board will also discuss how the town will manage town finances, taxation, and open space provisions. The board will discuss how the town budget will be managed and shared, stating in the draft that a public hearing of the proposed budget will be held before the end of November each year and will be publicly available. The draft also states that the town Shall have all powers of taxation given under Colorado Constitution. The Charter Commission will also draft how Erie will open space and parks. The Home Rule Charter Commission members meet every Thursday to discuss, draft, and revise governance charters or the charter for Erie. The charter draft will be completed May 5th before being sent to the Board of Trustees. The board can then move the charter onto a ballot measure for residents to vote on it. And now, turning to some news from Louisville Louisville to increase wastewater and stormwater fees. On Tuesday night, the Louisville City Council unanimously voted to pass rate increases in wastewater and stormwater fees. The average water, wastewater, stormwater, and trash bills is expected to increase $4 per month. Wastewater fees will increase 8%, stormwater fees 9%. However, the monthly residential bill is still projected to only increase 3.8%. Corey Peterson, who is Deputy Director of Utility, presented the utility rate increases. Peterson said that Louisville has been using a smoothing method of introducing rate increases where the increase is averaged out and increased over a period of time rather than a huge increase all at once. Peterson said that the increase come to ensure that there is sufficient revenue to provide public works operations as well as facilitate future planning and budgeting. He said that there are capital improvement projects that are currently wastewater improvement and stormwater floodplain improvement projects that have influenced the rate increase as well as, of course, inflation. Water utility rate is not projected to increase until 2029, according to Peterson. Council member Chris Lay said that smoothing method to increase rate increases are preferable. He said that the rate increases are more likely to affect those on fixed incomes, and that providing more information about why there is an increase in city communications would be beneficial. The city could provide some good information to make sure it's explained. There's good reasons for this increase," Councilman Lee said. Councilmember Maxine Most said that the city also needs to communicate with residents who may not know that they can receive utility assistance. Director of Public Works Kurt Kowar said that there is an informational letter in all mailed water bills that will explain the rate increase. He said that the letter can include information about assistance programs. He also said the letter would go out in April. The rate increase will go into effect in May. And the first financial impact to residents will have to be paid in June. And believe it or not, today is Winter Bike to Work Day. Older County is participating in the International Winter Bike to Work Day this Friday today. Bike to Work Day is a popular free event that encourages commuters to save money, enhance health, reduce road traffic, and enhance air quality by biking to work. The main Bike to Work Day event is held annual on the fourth Wednesday in June, but the Winter Bike to Work Day is a tradition for seasoned cyclists, according to the event website. This event is organized by Way2Go, that's a program of the Denver Regional Council of Governments, Dr. Gog, as well as Regional Transportation Management Associations. Event participants are encouraged to stop at designated stations for coffee and food. In Boulder County, there are stations in Boulder, Louisville, Superior, Nihwatt, and Longmont. Here is a list of stations along with their addresses and hours. And that there's the Boulder Chamber and Boulder Transportation Connections, which is open from 7 to 9 a.m. for burritos and coffee, tea, and water. That's at 2440 Pearl Street. And the Boulder Junction is going to be open from 4 to 7 p.m. for a happy hour with free appetizers and giveaways at 2366 Junction Place. And, again, in the morning, burritos to go. Breakfast Burritos is located outside First Bank at 2835 Pearl Street. And Community Cycles is open from 7 to 9 p.m. at 2575 Spruce Street. And the Nude Foods Market will be open from 6.30 to 9 a.m. for a zero-waste breakfast at 3233 Walnut Street. And from 6 until 10 a.m., the only natural pet at 2128th Street will be open until 10 a.m. for coffee, breakfast, store coupons, and pet giveaways. Trek Bicycle of Boulder will be open from 7 until 10 a.m., featuring breakfast, burritos, coffee, and free bike adjustments. And in Louisville, there are all sorts of morning breakfast. Goodies going on from Louisville Cyclery, open until 9:30 a.m. at 889 East South Boulder Road, and in Niwot, the Niwot Wheel will be open from 6 until 9 a.m. for coffee, hot chocolate, and breakfast burritos at 101 Second Avenue. And returning to some news from Longmont. Longmont's Meals on Wheels rolls out 3 million meals. A decades-long staple of the Longmont community, Longmont Meals on Wheels, celebrated a major milestone on Wednesday as this nonprofit surpassed 3 million meals, served to clients since its founding in 1969. The nonprofit marked the occasion at its regular community lunch, which is held on weekdays at the Longmont Senior Center. That's located at 910 Longs Peak Avenue. Around 75 guests filled the cafeteria for the free lunch, which featured, this week it featured a pot roast meal and a cake decorated with icing reading 3 million meals and counting. We have a great community that we live in and a lot of support, said the Longmont Meals on Wheels Executive Director Carla Hale. Without it, there's no way that we would have made it to where we are today. Prior to the celebration, the Longmont Meals on Wheels staff and board members took the three millionth meal to the home of the recipient, that was Wes Evans. Evans has been getting meals delivered to his home for around two years, and before that, he spent several years volunteering for LMOW as a driver. I wanted to give back to the community, and now it's my turn, Evans said. Hale was presented with a certificate of special congressional recognition for LMOW from the office of U.S. Representative Jonah Goose, Democrat Lafayette, representative for Colorado's 2nd District. She also announced that the nonprofit served nearly 107,000 meals last year. We are really growing thanks to all of you, Hale told the crowd. LMOW commemorated the 3 millionth first meal by presenting it to a lucky lunch guest. Ann Hurst, who was given balloons and flowers alongside of her food, said she was honored to be part of the celebration. It's tremendous, she said. I know a lot of people who do meals on wheels, and it's so good for them. The event drew members of the local MLMOW partners like Longmont Community Foundation and Longmont United Hospital. City Judge Robert Frick, who has been volunteering with LMOW for around seven years, brought in other city employees too, including a few probation and police officers. The staff here are wonderful, Frick said. They are fun to work with and always positive. The nonprofit has held similar events for significant benchmarks in the past year, such as 1 million mills back in 2002 and then 2 millionth mill which was, that celebration was held in 2014. Katie Weiser, Development and Communications Director, said the next million mule milestone might arrive even sooner than expected. We are happy to be here and happy to do it, she said. It's nice to feel the love back. Okay, this next story really has nothing to do with Boulder County, but as you know, Super Bowl weekend, and here's a, article entitled, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon Hits the Super Bowl. It was the kind of conversation that's been had millions of times by millions of people. It wasn't investigating deep philosophical questions. It wasn't a debate on the hot-button political arguments of the moment. It was just simply a group of college students in their early 20s batting about something that popped into their slightly inabriated brains. It was the type of chat that typically just comes and goes, forgotten in a day or two. Well, but that's not what happened this time. Instead, that conversation in a townhouse near Albright College gave birth to a cultural touchstone. It created something that nearly three decades later would still be relevant. It was the first ever game of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. A play on the idiom Six Degrees of Separation, the game posits that any actor can be connected to Kevin Bacon in Six Steps or Less. It challenges players to make those connections with the actor who grew up in Philadelphia and whose brother lives in Phoenixville. Since the creation of this game in 1994, it has been featured on TV and radio and has resulted in a book as well as a board game It's even been a category on Jeopardy and during Super Bowl 17 on, wait, what? All right, LV2. I don't know. What is that? i got to think. 37 on Sunday. It will be a subject of one of the ultra expensive and hotly anticipated commercials shown between touchdowns, between first down sacks and fumbles of the big game. It's amazing that something so minimal has had such a legacy and has lasted so long, said Brian Turtle, who is one of the creators of the game. It feels good. It feels really neat. Turtle tells the story with ease, recounting the events of that day in January 1994 with the clarity of someone who has done it many, many times before. Turtle was hunkered down in his off-campus residence. Residence with his friend Mike Ginelli and Craig Fass. There was a blizzard going on, so these guys were stuck indoors watching a bit of television. What else are you going to do, Turtle says with a laugh. It was before the internet. Footloose, the movie, was on the screen. That's the classic 1984 movie that catapulted Kevin Bacon into true stardom. After that, Quicksilver, another Bacon movie, was set to come on. And during a commercial break, the guy saw an advertisement for The Air Up There, which is Bacon's, that was his newest cinematic endeavor. We were like, wow, Kevin Bacon is everywhere. He must have worked with everyone, Turtle recalled. That quip led to a challenge. The guy started naming actors, first starting with John Lithgow. That one was obvious, as Lithgow had portrayed the dance-hating pastor in the movie Footloose, the fact that the few alcoholic drinks that the boys had concerned had made them temporarily forgot. Next up was Robert De Niro, who that was a bit more tricky. Bacon and De Niro hadn't worked together at that point. They were two years later in the movie Sleepers, but connecting the dots between them wasn't too hard. De Niro had starred in The Untouchables with Kevin Costner, and Costner had worked with Bacon in JFK. That was the match that burnt the forest down, Turtle said. From that point on, the next four hours, we just kept throwing names at each other. When we woke up the next morning, we quizzed each other some more. and just never went away. We kept connecting people to each other. And just like that, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon was born. Eventually, the guys shared their new creation on a local radio station. Word of it spread from there. That caught the attention of the Jon Stewart show on MTV. And after appearing there, they were invited to Howard Stern's radio show. With that kind of exposure, the game quickly caught fire. It all kind of fell into place, Turtle said. There was a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon book. There was a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon board game. There were references on, a, on television shows and movies. And, of course, there were millions of people playing it with their friends. It's amazing that it's become just such a part of the cultural lexicon, said Turtle, who knew, li- he now lives in New Jersey, and he works in the toy industry. From early on, Turtle said Bacon has been supportive of the game. That, he said, likely helped it stick around. People with thinner skin would have thought that they were being made fun of, said Turtle, who has met Kevin Bacon several times. But Kevin was really cool about it. He even wrote the foreword to the book that came out in 1996. Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon has been quite a ride for Turtle, and Vass, never seeming to quite run out of steam. It pops up so randomly, and it's always so amazing, Turtle said. It was a Jeopardy! category one time, and it will pop up on SportsCenter and on ESPN. The next appearance will happen on Super Bowl Sunday. Budweiser will air a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon commercial featuring the actor during what is typically the most-watched television event of the year. So, if anyone somehow didn't know of the game before, they likely will soon. We've carved our names in pop culture. Turtle said, and turning to news from Superior, if you're a parent and live in Superior tonight, the Superior Youth Leadership Council is offering a free parents' night out from 6.30 to 9.00 o'clock p.m. The Youth Council will provide free food and entertainment for 1st through 6th grade children in the community so that parents can enjoy a night out without the worry of booking a babysitter. The Youth Leadership Council is a high school volunteer group. This event will be held at El Dorado K-8 school located at 3351 South Indiana Street, but parents are required to register for the event through the Superior Town website. Parents can then drop their children off in person and sign them in. According to the Superior Town website, each child will be assigned a number and parents must confirm the number of pick-up inside the building for security. This event for the kids is going to offer arts and crafts, games and pizza. The Youth Council encouraged parents to send their children with water to the events. And now we turn to news from Niwot and Gunbarrel with articles from the left-hand Valley Courier. Here's one entitled, NCA ponders trees and much more. NCA is the acronym for the NIWAT Community Association, which held its monthly board meeting on February 1st in the Mountain View Fire Rescue NIWAT Station conference room. And the first topic was trees. Board member Pat Murphy raised her concern about the loss of old trees in NIWAT and arranged for Josh Morin. He's the founder of We Love Trees, Inc., to present information to the NCA. Warren explained how humans relate to the ecosystem and have established trees in this area, many of which are aging. He described some initiatives that might be helpful in the replacement of some of NIWAT's trees, including the Cool Boulder campaign, which addresses urban heating from climate change. One Cool Boulder project involved Boulder Valley School District high school students providing young trees to the public. The NCA plans to continue communicating with Morin about ways to address NIWAT's needs for trees. Don Server from NIWAT Community Connections that's the acronym NCC, also gave a presentation about their organization. The NCC is managed by Server, Pat Murphy, and uh, Eve Lempriere provides a way for people over the age of 50 to gather and share interests. This group currently has 350 members with 19 special interest groups on topics ranging from birding to riding. Server explained that another valuable server of the service of NCC is to provide volunteers for many of NIWAT's events. The Colorado Highway 119 Safety Mobility and Bikeway project was again a focus of discussion Most recently, there has been growing concern about safety issues in the redesign of the intersection of Niwot Road and Colorado Highway 119, also of course known as the Diagonal. There have been serious and even deadly accidents in this intersection in the last several months. And in other news, Board Representative for Area 3, Pat Murphy, reported that there have been car break-ins in her Morden Heights neighborhood. Membership Director Johnny Barrett reported that the 2023 NCA Membership Drive will begin this month with the goal of reaching the 400-member level. Trails and Open Space Director Vicki Dorvey reviewed the East Boulder Creek Site Management Plan, which affects a 1,377-acre area between Highway 52 and Jasper Road. The county is currently conducting a public survey to help determine its future conservation and recreation uses. Take the survey at www.bouldercounty.gov/openspace. Subdivision Roads Director Liz Marr reported on the continuing effort of the Subdivision Paving Coalition to encourage the Board of County Commissioners, BOCC, to put something on the ballot to address the issue for the next election. NCA board meetings are generally held on the first Wednesday of the month at 7 p.m. at the Mountain View Fire Protection District Firehouse Number 4, located at 8500 Niwot Road in Niwot. NCA members are encouraged to attend monthly board meetings, and the public is welcome to attend as well. If you would like to speak or would like a specific issue discussed, please contact the NCA Board at least one week in advance of the meeting to be included on the agenda. The NCA's annual meeting will be held at 7 p.m. on April 19th at the left-hand Grange. The NCA's annual NYWAC cleanup day is scheduled for May 20th. And mark your schedules for Saturday, February 25th as soup, soup, and more a community event sponsored by the Niwot United Methodist Church, is returning for its 25th anniversary. That's being held on Saturday, February 25th from 4 until 7 p.m. This is a free event. It began back in 1997 as an opportunity to connect with the community and enjoy homemade soups and other refreshments during a time of fellowship and raise money for outreach programs. This year, Soup, Soup, and More returns after a COVID-induced hiatus, marking the 25th year that the church has offered the event. Janet Gates, who grew up in the church, is now the lead organizer, arranging for soups and other refreshments that will be provided by church members. Gates said, It's really great to see people having fun trying many of these soups. Bring your friends and family and stay well. We'll have about 20 different soups plus salad, bread, and dessert. We usually serve about 100 people. She added, while participating in recent NIWAT events, we've heard people ask, are you the church that does soup? Yes, we've served soup to the community for 25 years, and we're looking forward to another 25 years. The church will also serve soup at NIWAT's Let's Wine About Winter event and invite patrons to their soup event. Part of the net proceeds will be given to TGTHR, that's formerly the Boulder Attention Homes. It's a local Colorado nonprofit on a mission to end youth homelessness. For youth between the ages of 12 to 24, TGTHR provides overnight shelter, drop-in services, short-term housing, permanent supportive housing, long-term housing navigation, support in inclusivity groups family coaching services, life skills development, mental health and physical wellness support, employment assistance, education programs, as well as an array of individual and group activities. NUMC streams their Sunday services live on Facebook, part of the net proceeds from the February 25th event will go toward upgrading the tech system for a better experience in church and online. Again, this event on Saturday, February 25th is open to the community. Admission is free. Donations are gladly accepted. NUMC is located at 7405 Lookout Road in Gunbarrel. And in more NIWAT news, Let's Whine About Winter, which is sponsored by the NIWAT Cultural Arts Association, that's NCAA is returning on February 11th after a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic. The Walkabout event will begin at 1 p.m. It runs until 5 p.m. with businesses offering beverage samples, refreshments, and live music for participants in the Cottonwood Square and the Downtown Business District. Several businesses are pairing up for the event with a total of 31 shops, restaurants, and offices participating to purchase a ticket and become a member of the Let's Wine About Winter club you can go to www.eventbrite.com and search for Let's Wine About Winter Karistan Alger is managing the event for the NCAA and said a limited number of tickets will be sold for $30 they are limited and they include a mug and a $10 coupon redeemable at participating stores and businesses beginning the day after the event, and valid from February 12th through the through March 16th. Proceeds from the event will go to improvements and maintenance at Whistle Stop Park and the Niwats Children's Park. Participating businesses include Belter, Blessings Day Spa, Chico's Grooming, community community, Classic Looks, DRF Real Estate, A Few of a Kind Vintage, Fly Away Home, Inkberry Books, Jones Petite Sweets, Lefty's Pizza, Little Bird, Niwot Jewelers, Niwot Liquor, Niwot Market, Niwot Natural Medicine, the Niwot Tavern, the Niwot United Methodist Church, Nourish and Company, Osmosis Gallery, Pebble Art Jewelry, the Little Shop Niwot, the Niwot Group at Compass, the Niwot N, the Nook, the Old Oak Coffee House, the Rotary Club of Niwot, the Wandering Jellyfish Bookstore, and the Wheelhouse, as well as Warren Carlson and more, and Wise by Antiques. And now time for letters to the editor. Here's one from Chow McCausland entitled, Animals, Restrictive Pet Policies Make It Difficult to Find Housing. Pets bring us so much joy, it's no surprise that these lovable companions are part of many Colorado families. It never gets dull seeing folks out on walks with their four-legged family members. Families and their pets are permanent fixtures in our beautiful landscape, and we have two of our own that help us get into daily steps. And for this reason, I'm asking all Coloradans to contact your legislators, urging them to support HB 23-1068 to keep pets and people together in their homes. Did you know that an increasing number of families are being forced to surrender their pets due to restrictive policies that make it difficult to find housing? No pets policies, restrictions on the breed and the weight of a pet, high pet deposits, and monthly pet rent are housing barriers that might have a devastating impact on families, especially renters and lower-income households. I cannot imagine having to choose between a beloved pet and a place to live not to mention the strain it puts on our shelter systems. HB 23-1068 would ensure that beloved pets can remain with their families by prohibiting pet deposits and pet rent, pet rent, and requiring landlords to contact animal shelters when pets are, pets are discovered abandoned because of evictions. There are mitigation funds that could be created for landlords to repair pet damage. This bill would also require that those who receive the Colorado Housing Tax Credit would allow pets and insurance companies would no longer be allowed to discriminate on the basis of breed. This would remove housing barriers for thousands of responsible pet owners. No one should have to decide between giving up a beloved pet and safe and secure housing. Again, contact your legislators urging them to support House Bill 23-1068. Pets belong with their families. That was submitted by Chow McAusland of Erie. Diane Murphy writes, Environment, how can Boulder grow with drought and poor air quality? She writes, I found the February 5th editorial to keep Boulder thriving. We must accept the necessity for growth extremely offensive when it came to age discrimination. Boulder seniors are active community members. Driving conservationists, and dependable tax-paying citizens. And, by the way, Gary, you absolutely failed to mention our depleted water supply, mega-drought, and extremely poor air quality. How do these issues comport with increasing population, more traffic, and too many people living too close together? You need a field trip to New York City to see what it does to the human spirit. Pave paradise, put up a parking lot. Diane Murphy of Boulder. And Michael Dilley writes, Journalism, thanks to the Boulder County News for maintaining a sense of objectivity delivering the news. I just want to es- express gratitude to the powers that be in Boulder for the opportunity to publish. When I think about letters to the editor, like so many others, I worry about the demise of local newspapers and fear the corporate enterprises are increasingly owning and controlling the voice of most of us as wealthy businesses buy more control of opinions fox news is a prime example the daily older daily camera and other outlets seem to me to offer a sense of objectivity and i love this even though i realize that this is a liberal leaning newspaper and often through its selection of what to print demonstrates bias. It must be so difficult every day to decide what news is and then to worry about whether your paper will survive the next round of cuts based on your ad revenue. Maybe you can succeed by having AI write most of your articles so you don't have to pay reporters. But for now, you are just trying to be the fourth estate, and it's not lost on us boomers. You still give us this opportunity in the opinion pages and still maintain what What matters to us? That's your job. And I still sense altruism and maybe some nostalgia for the way it used to be. Submitted by Michael Dilley of Boulder. Here, by the way, is the editorial about growth to keep Boulder thriving and accepting the necessity for growth. There are few issues, more divisive than growth in Boulder. Growth means more housing, more traffic, more people on the trails at Chautauqua. More of everything, but divisive or not, Boulder has been steadily growing for decades. Between 2010 and 2020, Boulder County's population shot up from 294,000 to over 330,000, while the city of Boulder added 10,000 new faces. Now, though, our growth has hit somewhat of a wall. It started, of course, with the pandemic, but it hasn't let up. In 2021, Colorado added just 26,000 new people through migration and birth. In 2022, that figure was 27,000. Compare that to 70,000 new people that the state averaged during the previous decade and a dramatic picture emerges. Finally, when the slowed growth is put against the number of deaths, it shows that Colorado has had its narrowest natural population increase since the 1970s. There's a lot of potential factors that are worth exploring concerning why Colorado has seen such a dip. The cost of housing, the rise of remote work, a general decline in birth rates across the country. But it is also worth noting that this trend is not expected to continue. The Colorado State Office of Demography predicts the growth will rebound to 55,000 people in 2023. And the total state population of Colorado will hit 6.4 million people by 2030. For some, though, the slow growth of the past few years might be seen as good news. Political priority number one for many longtime Boulder residents is preserving this beautiful town. And who can blame them? Boulder is beautiful. Boulder is unique. Boulder is Boulder. That means that we all have an obligation to protect it. You've been listening to the Boulder County News. That was an editorial or part of it by Boulder Garrison for the editorial board. My name is Leslie Madsen. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.